Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. All right. So, hey, you guys did really good. I just want to encourage you of reading. So maybe, maybe we do that more. I don't know. And you're like, no, don't make me do that, Pastor Scott. Anyways, so we are in our, our week number four of our series, um, Under Contract, that we've been kind of just looking at what it means to be in covenant with God through Christ, right? We are in covenant with God because what Christ has done for us and really for the whole world, for those who choose to be Believers, those who choose to live in this, this agreement, this covenant with God. Because as we've said that, you know what, we shouldn't be as believers those who say, yeah, I, I, I know there's promises. You talk about promises all the time, Pastor Scott, but those promises never really come to pass in my life. At least it never seems like it does. It never really seems to, 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 to come and, and do what, you know, I, I, I needed to do. And, and, and sometimes that, that gives us this weight or this feeling like, well, you know what? My situation is so unique. I don't even know if God can do it. I don't even really know if God cares enough and really to come and be a part of, of what I, I, I need help with. And so we constantly battle with the fact that, man, you know what? yes. I believe what you're saying, Pastor Scott, but I don't see it in my life. I'm not, I just not seeing it. But see, don't, don't get down on yourself. Don't feel like, ah, you know, whatever. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, the big L comes up. You think, wow, oh, what a loser or whatever. No, 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 no. Because as we said last week, Abraham was even that way, right? Abraham was like, well, how do I know this is going to happen? I mean, have you ever been there before? You hear something and, you know, someone's like, well, well man, let's pray. Well, yeah, but even if you pray, how do you know that's going to happen? How do you even know God's going to answer? Well, we do, right? If, if we have faith in what God promised. Because as we're learning, God can't go back on his word. He just can't. Because of the commitment he made to you and I through his son, Jesus, he just can't go back on it. And he made this blood covenant with us. Something that, that, that we have to understand that, you know what? It is a guarantee that he will back up his word every single time. And we know that blood covenant is the fact that, you know what? It's something that cannot be erased. It's the fact that, you know, it's the most binding agreement known to man. And it's something that God cannot renege on. He can't say, ah, not today. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. You remember we talked about the, the, um, the uh, uh, morning and the night, right? He made a, it, there's a covenant there. And he said, you know what? It's going to be morning and it's going to be night and it'll never change. Is that true? Has it ever changed? Has it ever flipped on us? Well, maybe if we work third shift or whatever, but you know what I mean. It's never flipped on us. There's always been a night, always been a day. It's constant, right? See, we have to understand, man, even in those small little practical things that we normally just live in, that's the same with his, his word. That's the same with what he's, he's spoken. So if that happens constantly, then God's going to be constantly answering Right? He constantly wants to say yes to whatever it is that we come to him in faith with. That's key, right? Because, you know, I, and, and really what lines up with his word as well. Because, again, like we made that, I, man, I'd love a Ferrari, but I don't approach God. Hey, God, I want a Ferrari. You said you'd give it to me. No, he didn't. He didn't say, man, Scott, I'll give you a Ferrari. Now, he said he'd give me the desires of my heart. Okay. And if that ever comes, great. But no, you know what? More than just that is the fact that, man, I have a need, whatever that need is. And so if I have a need of a car, then you know what? God's going to supply it. If it's a Ferrari, I probably couldn't pay for it anyways, right? Or to get it fixed or a BMW. Or, see, my dream car is a Porsche 911. 
I don't know. I, man, growing up as a kid, I had a friend whose dad had one, and we were going some, we were coming from a, the Dodger game. That's what it was. And there was this turn that you go to get on the freeway, and man, he took this thing so fast, and it hugged the road so, like, just as a kid, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm in a race car. This is amazing, right? And, and so from that moment on, I want a Porsche 911. That, that's my dream car. Kids, remember that, right? Okay, in case they ever want to buy me one. Um, when they make their millions, right? Yeah, praise God. Let's go. Anyways, so he knows, though, that I have a need. He'll, he'll supply it. He comes through because he's faithful. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God in him... Right? All the promises of God in him. Well, how do you find in him? Your Bible, right? Okay, says in him are, yes. Not maybe, not, you know, well, if you're really, 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 really good. No, it just says are, yes. And in him, amen, or so be it. So established to the glory of God through us. See, God gets all the glory when, when he, he's funneling these promises through us, right? Because when, when a promise comes through and he funnels it through us, then we should be giving God all the praise and all the glory for it. And you know what? Then people around us will go, wow, you serve a great God. Look what God did for you. And you're all, yeah, that's right. He's my homie. Maybe not. Maybe that's probably taking it a little too far. Sorry about that. If that was sacrilegious, I didn't mean to be. But you know what I mean? God, 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 God. I'm in partnership with him because I have this, this covenant with him. And, and if you remember, uh, the message version said, God's yes and our yes together. God's yes and our yes. So that means that we have to know for sure that God is faithful to keep his word. He's faithful to keep his promises based on the covenant that he made with us through Jesus. He's faithful to keep his word. See, we have to have that confidence to be able to say, hey, this is in the covenant contract. It's not, it's not, and it's not for just a few people. It's for whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever calls on the name of Jesus is now entered into this covenant contract. And the promises that are in this word are now for you. They are. But see, we have to believe that. We have to receive it in faith. And say, you know what? I have a right to all of the promises of God that's in the covenant made through Christ. And I, I receive those things. Because see, God wants us to walk boldly in that authority. He really does. He wants us to be able to look at it and say, all right, Lord, I don't know how you're going to work this out. I don't know how this is going to all fall into place. I don't even know when you might answer this. But you said this. Therefore, just like there's a night and just like there's a day, therefore, I'm going to believe that you'll, 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 you're there. You're going to make it come to pass. You're going to somehow figure out a way. Even if it doesn't look like the way I want it to look like, I, it, it's going to happen. But see, and, that, and that's approaching it in faith. And then each day we say, hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you're working on my behalf. You're working in this situation. Like, for an example, you might have somebody in your life that, man, you're praying for and asking them or, or praying for it and saying, man, Lord, I, I so want them to be saved. I so want them to come into the kingdom of God. Okay, well, Bible says that, you know what, we can start praying for them and we can thank the Holy Spirit that he would come because it says that the Holy Spirit would come and he would convict the world of their sin and the righteous and draw them to Jesus. So we can take that and begin to pray and then every day, even if we don't see it, even if whatever is still going on, right? We can still say, God, I thank you that you're faithful to your word. You keep covenant with me. And although I don't see their salvation yet, I thank you that you promised that you would, you would lead them to the Lord. Every day, you're thanking God, right? And they might do the worst thing possible. But see, that shouldn't change your faith. That shouldn't change what you know to be true in God's word. 
It could be the worst, the absolute, total, 100% worst thing, whatever that comes to in your mind. But see, if you continue to thank God, God, no, God, I thank you. You're faithful to your word. I thank you that you're faithful to your promise. And I, as a child, I thank you for the covenant you made with me. And therefore, I'm going to continue to pray. And I'm going to continue to thank you that you are moving in their life and drawing them closer to Jesus, even if they don't know it. And I will rejoice when they come into the kingdom of God. Right? But it's having that confidence that we can walk in. It's just knowing that we have this authority in Christ, okay? So this is week four. So if you haven't heard week one, two, and three, get the podcast, listen to it. Um, Hopefully you got a study guide that you can be walking through and review it and stuff like that. Uh, Again, the book God Swears is out there. It's also on Kindle. But, But just understand, the more revelation we get of it, the more the confident we will be in what covenant means to us, okay? Right? Okay, so here we go. So the anatomy of the blood covenant, part three. And I promise this is the last part of the anatomy of the blood covenant. Okay, because we've been walking you through these nine things. Well, we got through five of them already, but we're walking you through these nine things. Now, the reason why we're giving you these nine things is just to build a foundation. Because what's coming next is, is the jumping in and, no, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it is, the, is the more the exciting part of it. Because then you're like, But see, now that we have this kind of foundation that we've been building, it just gives you kind of like the importance of covenant and all that God went through and all how God moved these things around and and put this into place because he, he, he wants you and I to walk him as his children and be, be in agreement and say, man, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. So we're going to give you the number six through nine. Okay, of these ceremonial commitments, again, as a foundation, but it's leading up to something far greater. Okay, even though this is great, but far greater. Okay, so number six is blessing and cursing. So part of this ceremonial thing that goes on is the blessing and the cursing part. Okay, now it's not cursing like, you know, you're saying bad words or anything like that. Right, because sometimes, you know, you can think, oh, God, what? In the, anyways, all right, so after the five ceremonial commitments were completed, right, and then also along, we, we kind of gave you the covenant promises that were declared, then the benefits of remaining in the covenant, as well as the detriments of breaking the covenant, were read and recorded. So it kind of went something like this on the covenant promises. All that I am and all that I owe, own, is now at your disposal. I am your ally, allies, and I promise to support, defend, and bless you every way. That sounds pretty good, right? Okay? Then it says, however, emphasize that. However, if you break this covenant, I will become your enemy. I will use all that I have to bring have to bring you and your generations to ruin. Now that that sounds pretty hefty, doesn't it? Right? So in a natural covenant agreement, if, if the nations and the tribes, right, if the people keep those covenants, then they get to experience all of the blessing. Right? All of the things that, that have now come together and joined these tribes, these nations, these people together. They get to experience all of it. That sounds pretty good. Right? So by us coming and confessing Jesus as our Lord and Savior, now because of that covenant, we now have the ability to experience all of the blessings of the kingdom of God. Not just when we get to heaven, but here right now on this earth, right? See, Jesus wouldn't say this thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I've come to give life and that life more abundant. He wouldn't have said that if that were not true, right? He would have said, well, I've come to save your bacon, you know, just get you to heaven. And you know what? You'll squeak by, you'll just barely, just, you know. And then when you get to the sweet by and by, it's all going to be good. No, he said, even now in this lifetime, I want to give you everything that I can give you to the best, right? 
to the best of, of, of your ability for you to be able to walk in what I've called you to, for you to experience my love and my grace at such a higher level, right? And if it doesn't have all the bells and whistles, that does not mean you don't have a prosperous life. That doesn't mean that you don't have everything that God wants to give you, right? If you're in fellowship with him and he's, he's working with you, whatever you're walking through, he's going to be there. That's life. That's life to, to, to the abundance that I know that everything that I'm walking through, everything that I'm experiencing, Jesus has got my back. Jesus is right there. God's, I, God's got a covenant with me. And he's got my back in every situation. And you know what? I can't ask for anything better than that. I really can't. Because that's just, that's how he, that's how he rolls. That's his heart. Right? But then, if they broke the covenant, now they had opened themselves up to the curses by breaking it. Right? And really, that's the same thing true that we'll look in the Word of God, but that's true with God, right? In, in a natural covenant, you, you, break, you break, break it, then you know you experience the curses of it. In a natural covenant, you have the blessing and the cursing. Or you could say, let's just, you could call it circumstances. You will face circumstances, right? And here's an example. An example of that can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, and this is really a whole chapter that's dedicated to the blessings and the curses. Okay? So the blessings are all for all the people who receive him, receive his word, right? That he establishes the covenant with. And the curses are the consequences that those who do not. Okay? So let's see what it says. This is what God, now this is God speaking. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 through 2. All right? This is God talking. It says, and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all those blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. I love it. That, that just gives that sense. That, you know what? They're on their way. They're coming. They're coming. They're going to catch you. And they're going to overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, you might say, well, okay, how do I obey the voice of the Lord God? Is he going to speak audibly to me? Is he going to, hey, you know, is he going to do that? No. But he could, right? But you know what? 99% of the time, he's going to, he, this is his voice, right? This is his voice. In my other Bible at home, I have it written in the front of it. This is my Bible. This is God talking to me. So every time I open up my Bible and I start reading it, guess who's talking to me? God. So I can't say, well, God's not really talking to me. Well, then I must not be in my Bible. Right? And so we have to understand. So God's saying, you know what? If you stay connected, if you walk in my covenant, then you will experience all of the blessing. He's telling Israel, I will give you all of the blessing that I promise to you if you obey me and keep my words and keep in covenant with me. So then God in, in that chapter, we're not going to read the whole chapter because it's big. Okay? But God in that chapter, in the next 12 verses, he, he lays out these blessings to us. Okay? And you might think, well, that's Old Testament. It still applies. It still applies to you and me. Okay? But in the next 12 verses, he lays that out. But then he warns. Right? He warns that if they don't keep covenant with him, verse 28, verse 15 says this, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses, all these circumstances shall come upon you and overtake you. And then you know what God does? God uses the next 53 verses to tell you all of the circumstances, all of the curses, if, you're, if you don't remain in covenant with him. 
12 verses for blessings, right? But he only needed a small bit because, man, that just is everything that he has. But then he lays out 53 verses to say, hey, you know what? If, you don't, if you're not going to obey me, you're not going to live according to the standards of God's word, then you know what? There are circumstances that are going to follow you, and they're, 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 there's 50, there's a lot of them. And so we have to understand that even when we read stuff like this in the Old Testament, it's still part of what we need to pay attention to, that we need to live out. But then, you know what? Paul says this. He, he basically, in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 22, Paul tells us that the principle holds true in the New Testament. Okay, you ready? All right, here it comes. This is what it says. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen. Okay, now when you think of that, that, that is talking about the Jews that had drifted away from following him. Okay, because there were some that had. But God's kindness to you Provided you, can, provided, you, provided you continue in his kindness. So if you continue in his kindness, right? But God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Basically, you're still in, in agreement with him. I'm sorry, I just got confused, right? You're, you're still in covenant with him. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Now, Paul's not referring to levels of behavior, that you've got to be perfect. You know, and if you're not perfect, then you're going to fall off. You're going to drop. But what he's saying is, is the fact that, you know what? God is both good and he's severe. He's good to those who trust him, but he's severe to those who reject him. There are those who reject him, right? Because they blatantly do not pay attention to his word. They blatantly and passively, listen, Passively at times, don't even let it be truth in their life. It's, yeah, yeah, my Bible's there, and it looks good on my, on my table. When my, all my guests come over, my friends come over. But I don't, I, we don't open it. See, God's like, no, 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 no. Okay, remember, it's not based on levels and all that stuff of your, you know, obedience. But see... It's, it should be just a natural thing that flows out of your life that you're just like, yeah, I, I just need this. I need to read my Bible. I need to be somehow engaged with this thing. But see, when we get just get out of passively, then God's like, man, you're, you're tying my hands. And then you can't be in faith about the covenant that he's made with you because you don't know what the covenant is or what the promises are. So we understand that there are blessings and there are consequences. Okay. And we need to realize there is a reality to living outside of the blessings. We, did, we just need to know that. Because sometimes we get passive with God's word. Which sometimes is the fact that, you know what? Maybe we, we, we know God's word or, or God's dropped something in our heart about it, what it means or what we should be praying or what we should be asking. Yet we pay no attention to it. That's kind of being passive to his word. Right? But we've got to put our faith and our trust in there, in, in, in God's word. We've got to trust God that he will do what he said he would do. And see, when we do, then he puts us in line or he puts us in Christ. And then when we're in Christ, then we become a beneficiary of all that God's promised. How many like being a beneficiary? Yeah, we kind of like that, don't we? Right? I remember, so there, back in California, there was a gentleman, man, he, he, he was awesome. Such a great guy. And he, he I guess he, he, he um, flew an uh, um, airplane in World War II or whatever. But just a great guy. I had opportunities to go golfing with him at times and stuff like that. Well, he passed away. And then out of the blue, I don't know, two, three, maybe four years later, I get this thing in the mail that somehow he put me in his will. I'm a beneficiary. Now, I, I, I want to tell you, pray, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot, but I thought, what? what? But, but see, that, that's being a beneficiary of something that, man, I, don't, I didn't even deserve. I was just his friend. 
I, I just love that hearing his stories and he had such a pure heart and just man great guy and man he didn't hit the ball very far but he hit it straight every time and it was always like man Lloyd how do you do that dad I don't know I just hit it where mine's going woo, just going all over the place I get my full money's worth when I go golfing right but here I was I was a beneficiary of his will which I can't even tell you what a, what a blessing that was. But see, I didn't deserve it. But see, that's what happens. I, some, I don't deserve the goodness of God. Right? I mean, I just don't deserve the goodness of God. But I'm a beneficiary of the goodness of God because of what Jesus did. Because of this covenant that he, he made for us. And so I, I, I fall right in line. And, and so do you. You fall right in line to be a beneficiary. And, and there are going to be times where God's going to bless your socks off or do something that you weren't even expecting. Like my story, right? And all of a sudden you go, what? This is awesome. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, I didn't even know that I really needed that or I really needed God to intervene and be a part of that. But he's so good. That's how he is to his people because he, he has a covenant with us. Does that make sense? Okay. Just want to, want to make sure. And so as this beneficiary, the Bible tells us that we have spiritual blessings. Yeah, spiritual blessings. Each one of you have, our, have spiritual blessings. You're thinking, what? Okay, but let me prove it first. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has blessed us, right? Now, I'm just going to put a word in there. I'm going to insert it. Who has blessed us already. You're already blessed. It's not, well, maybe. No, it's you're already blessed if you're in Christ. He says, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Think about that. Right? We, we get this picture of what heaven's going to look like, and heaven's going to look magnificent and glorious, right? And all of this stuff, and man, it's going to be awesome, right? But he's saying that he has already blessed us with all of that awesomeness. Awesomeness. Wow. That's something to just praise God for. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. And really, you might say, well, then what are those blessings? Well, those blessings in the new covenant are God's promises. Yeah, they're God's promises. Those spiritual blessings are God's promises in his word as part of the new covenant. It's not when we get to heaven. It's right here, right now. It's for us right now. And think of it. And we'll cover the promises coming up. Preview of coming attractions, right? But, but you think about it. For, you have promises about forgiveness. You have promises about eternal life. You have promises about health and provision. You have promises about getting wisdom when you need it. You have promises about getting peace when you need it. You got promises about not living in fear when you need it. That's part of the spiritual blessing. Because we're in Christ. We have found ourselves in there. But we have to realize that all of God's promises are really ours. Right? And that God will bring them to pass. That's what we got to believe. That's what we're hoping to change your thought process. Right? The Bible says to renew your mind. So the more you start thinking, well, wait, wait, wait. I got a covenant with God? All these promises that, that are there in the Bible that really can be mine. So I got to apply them in faith and activate my faith? Yeah! And then God comes through and says, hey, remember, I say yes to everything I said. Right? Man, that's good. If we think about it, man, if you start just having that mindset of, you know what? God says yes. God says yes. What? Oh my gosh. Right? You know, when your kids come to you and they want the, the lollipop or the candy, you know, at, at midnight. Well, they shouldn't even be up at midnight, right? But anyways, you know what I mean? We say, no. 
you can't have that. But God said, well, man, if it lines up with my word and it's what you need, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. But it might not come in your time. It might not look like what you want it to look like. It might be something, you know, whatever. But I know, right? He knows what's best for us. But see, that's trust. That's, that's trust. But it's not, it's not blind trust. Right? Blind trust is like, well, I'll just kind of throw it out there and then let's see what happens. Right? And you, you don't know. But see, if we take his promise as part of the covenant and say, God, this is what you said in the covenant. I, I, I know I don't deserve it, but you said yes to it anyways. So I'm just going to keep walking in that covenant promise. And your eyes are wide open. You might, again, you might not see it right away. It might not come the way you want it. But see, you, you know, because your eyes are open, it, that's what it means to walk in faith. Because you know what God's word says, and I'm going to believe that more than anything else that I encounter. But it's not just walking around blind and, oh, hopefully I get it. Something happens. All right, number seven, exchange of names. The exchanging of names happens when one or both parties take part of the other party's name. Okay? It's, it's, you guys know this in marriage, right? When, when, when people get married, they take the, the name of the husband or, you know, however that works. Although, there are, here in the South, because I don't think I ever saw this in California, but I, I noticed that ladies sometimes keep their maiden name as their middle name now, and then they have the last name of the guy that they married or whatever. Okay, but, but you get what I'm saying. I, they're, they're, they, they exchange names or when you have companies that merge together and, and they change the name or combine them together, you know, like Time Warner or whatever, things like that. Okay, so that, this is what it's talking about. But this, this is what the covenant promise says. It says, you bear my name and I yours, we are forever one. Right? Basically, that's marriage. At least that's the way it should be. Right? I bear your name. And I, yours, we are forever one. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but in the Bible, the exchange of names dramatically, right, altered the status of many individuals. The change of names, okay? Abraham, or Abram and Sarai are an example of that, okay? In Genesis chapter 17, and we're not going to uh, dive into it too much as far as reading the scripture of it, but in Genesis chapter 17, now, check this out, okay? This was the fifth time that God visited Abram, okay? And God changed both their names by adding an H to them. So Abram became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah, okay? So we, we all kind of probably have figured that out. Now, Hebrew scholars, check this out. Hebrew scholars see this as a very, very significant because five is the number of grace, okay? And um, the ha is both the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet and it's the letter that represents Yahweh or God. So when they put that all together, scholars agree that God inserted part of his own name into Abraham, into Abram and Sarai to commit himself. So not only did he commit himself by making a covenant, but then he also committed himself by changing their names and adding part of who he was to their name, right? So he committed himself to show his grace in them and through them as part of this covenant deal. And then in the New Testament... Right? In the new covenant, God is, is still changing names. Okay? He's still changing names. God changed Jesus' name. And you're thinking, what? Okay, but he did. If, here, let me read it. Philippians says this. Therefore God was highly exalted. Therefore God has ex highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So, so Jesus was his, his, his name, right? But he was a man, right? When he walked on the earth. So it says this in verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, 
Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, Jesus went by Jesus of Nazareth, right? And say, hey, what, 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 what good comes from Nazareth? So, but that's what, how they would introduce him. This is Jesus of Nazareth. But after he went and died on the cross, blood spilled, covenant made, do we say, oh, Jesus of Nazareth, thank you so much? No, we'll say Jesus Christ. Right? Now, that's not his last name, just so you know. Okay? But see, that's identifying who Jesus is because Christ means the anointed one. Okay? That's what it means. It means the anointed one, the Messiah, and there is no greater name. So he went from being Jesus of Nazareth to Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. So there's a name exchange there that happened. Because when he died, then you know what? I mean, that was like, boom, there you go. Right? He is the Christ. Yes, he did miracles and all that. But man, he had to go through the cross. He had to do what he had to do. And so we have to understand that, you know what? This is, this is amazing. This is awesome that he did that. And now, because of our faith in him, right? Right? Our ID is now in Christ. Pastor Scott is in Christ. I'm in him. Just just put your name and put in Christ. You're in the anointed one. You're in the anointed one and his anointing. Think about that. Oh my gosh. That's powerful. When, when we start walking and, and operating in the fact that, man, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't deserve anything yet because of what Christ did and because of my faith in him and, and the covenant that he's made with us, I am now in Christ. I have all these spiritual blessings that sometimes I don't use. Right? That's like having a million dollars in the bank account and not even knowing you had it. But you have all these spiritual blessings that, that, that now you look at and say, oh my gosh, I am in Christ, therefore I can withdraw these spiritual blessings because God told me I could. Because he promised them in his covenant and he won't go back on his word. But we are now in Christ. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's you, you can insert your name in there if you want. Right? So you can say, therefore, if Scott, Pastor Scott, whatever you want to call me, just don't call me late to dinner. Anyways, um, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Pastor Scott is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because he loves you. He has a covenant with you. New, you are a new creation. Now, you might not feel like a new creation, you might say, well, man, I still got the same old wrinkly skin, or I got, you know, this or that or whatever. Uh, hey, but you're still a new creation because you're in Christ. That's all. That's that, man, that, that's the whole bucket right there, man. That's everything. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, man, here's the Holy Spirit. He's saying, yeah, you are. You won't, man. Hey, would you just pay attention? You are a children. You're, you're a child of God. See, oftentimes, sometimes we don't, we, we, we don't pay attention. Because he's trying to remind us of that all the time. But see, we let the enemy come in. We let people say stuff or whatever it is. Or maybe even we falter one time. We sin. Right? But if we get back and repent... And he says, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. It's like the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're a child of God. This is so good, man. Oh, goodness, right? But it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are a child of God. And if children, what does it say? Then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What? Now, we get that about being an heir when someone in our family dies, and man, it, you know, it, it passes along to us. We get that. 
Why don't we get that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? When it comes to that relationship with God, why don't we get that? Because we haven't allowed ourselves to hear and let the Holy Spirit confirm to us you are a child of God, that you have covenant right, you have the ability to walk in this. Each and every one of us has the ability to do that. And then let me give you one more, and I'm not going to read the scripture, but it's going to blow your mind, okay? But there will even be a name change in heaven. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, you can look that up. Right? But it talks about those who overcome will be given a, rock, a white rock, and on that white rock will be a name change. Think about that. I don't know what my name is going to be, and I, I, but I'll, I'll take it because it's going to be better than Scott. <laughs> it is. It's just going to be better. But, man, when you read something like that, you're like, what? But see, that, that's part of the deal. I mean, Saul... Right? To Paul. Peter to Peter. Or no, Simon to Peter. Right? Name changing. But see, that, that's part of who God is. Right? So this exchange of names going on. All right. The next one is covenant meal. The covenant meal. They have a covenant meal. Once all the commitments were made and uh, a meal was prepared to commemorate the agreement, and in every culture in these, in these covenant agreements, um, there was the primary elements were bread and wine. Now, the bread represents the physical body, symbolizing all that I am um, outside is yours. And the wine represents the blood, which sometimes they mix the blood in the wine. Ooh, gross. Can't do that these days, right? But, but, and then it would say all that I am inside Right? So it's the very life flow of blood in me is yours. So they would eat and they would drink together and then they would make this declaration. This, this covenant promise. Did I not put it up there? Oh, there it is. I eat this meal recognizing we are now one. You are in me and I am in you. Okay? I am in you. Now, you know, you think about wedding reception or anniversary dinner, right? Those, those, those are like meals that you don't take lightly. Okay? But if you're tracking with me, this sounds a lot like communion, doesn't it? Right? Think about that. If we're taught, it sounds a lot like communion, which it is. Kind of. Right? But think about what that, what that covenant promise is. I eat this meal recognizing we are now one. You are in me, Jesus, and I am in you. I, I'm, I'm walking in relationship with you. I'm, I'm, I'm walking it out with you. So this goes way beyond just a rid, uh, religious ritual for us when it comes to communion. But, but, it, but it makes us, it strengthens our ability to look at it and, and know what God has promised and what God has revealed to us, okay? What he's purchased for us and provided for us, which is so much. But we'll get into that just a little bit more here in a minute. The, the number nine is establish a memorial, okay? Which was the last and the most lasting thing to happen. When memorializing a covenant... Uh, it, it, what did I write here? Okay. In our culture today, okay, we think of, of corporate branding, right? When co corporations or even logo changes and all that. We think of that. And, uh, in weddings, we think about wedding pictures, right? That's a memorial. Hey, let me break out my wedding video. Do we still have ours, by the way? Yes. Oh, we can show that one. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, Pastor Appreciation Month. Come on. Anyways, all right. I'm just kidding. But, but we think about videos or, um, you know, pictures and all of that stuff, okay? Well, the, in the Bible, there were um, common memorials used for the occasion. Uh, one of the common ones was rocks, okay, was rocks. And so there was either a huge pile that would be assembled together in a prominent place, right? When they crossed over the uh, uh, Red Sea, what did they do? Put all these big, huge rocks together and used it as a memorial, 
right? Or there would be one large stone that would be engraved with the names of each party and the terms of the agreement. So that when you walked by, you're like, oh, man, I'm in covenant with those guys. I'm in covenant with them. And man, those are the terms of the agreement. Can't, can't mess that up. The second one was, or they would exchange sheep and cattle as a memorial. And you think, sheep and cattle, really? Yeah. But they were given so that each party, every year those, that, that, that flock would multiply and grow. And that was a reminder of the covenant that they had with that other party. Okay? And then the third one was um, tr- a tree or forest. So what would happen is they planted, if, if they planted a tree or they planted a forest, and as it grew, it was a reminder of the covenant that was made. Those were the three very primary, basic covenant uh, uh, memorials that they would make. Now, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they, they use these memorials or, or metaphors for Christ and his bride. Let me just kind of walk these through real quick. They're not going to be up on the screen. But Matthew 21, 42 says that Christ is the stone that the builders rejected, the co- chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. 1 Peter 2, 5 says that we are living stones. Right? So we should be a memorial to others about the goodness of God in our life, right? We are living stones, and together we create a spiritual temple. 1 John uh, 1, 29, that Jesus is the Lamb of God. There's the sheep. So we talked about the rocks. Now we're talking about the sheep, the, the animals, right? But Jesus is the Lamb of God. Psalms 23, right? The Lord is our shepherd, which must mean we are sheep, Okay? Then Psalms uh, 103 says we are sheep in his pasture. Right? Now we don't go around hopefully going bah, bah, you know, all the time. Maybe that's when we're griping and complaining. Just saying. Right? But maybe that's what it is. But we are his sheep in his pasture. Okay? So that's, that's the animal. And then Isaiah 11.1 1 says that Jesus is the branch that grew out of the roots of David's house. And then Isaiah 61.3 says, we are all called trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. So there's these memorials things. that Who Christ is and really who we are. Okay? But when you look at it, really the primary, the two primary symbols of the new covenant are the cross. Okay? Where the covenant was purchased and signed in blood. So it's more than just, hey, a piece of jewelry and just, you know, hey, it looks good. It's, man, no, no, that's a sign, uh, right? When, you, when you're driving and you see a church, man, you should be thinking, man, praise Jesus, right? He's not on that cross anymore. He's not. And man, I'm so thankful for well, what he's done for my life, okay? And then the, the, uh, the other primary symbol, symbol, what do you think it is? The empty grave, Right? The empty grave where the covenant was certified and activated. Right? If he didn't raise from the dead, it would not have been certified and it certainly wouldn't be activated because he'd still be in there and all hope would be lost. But see, he's not in there, right? Amen? And so we got to realize too that you know what? You too can make your own memorials. Every time God does something good for you, you can make a memorial. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I think I've told you this guys in the past, but we had gone through a season when, um, of transition and stuff like that, and, and I didn't have a job. Heather was doing awesome trying to help in, in some way, but man, we were struggling financially, yet God came through, like miraculously. And so what we did is we, 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 we wrote every single time God showed up and blessed us as a memorial. So that when we were going through the tough times, we took out that piece of paper and looked at the memorial and said, yeah, but you always have been faithful. You've always come through for us. This is just evidence. And so we're just going to thank you that you're going to do it again. And he kept doing it time and time again. But see, you can build your own memorials, right? 
Even if it's, you know, if you want to place a bunch of rocks out out in your backyard and people go, wow, that's weird. What do you got that for? Oh, you want to know? Right? And then you start rambling off and they're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, oh, I shouldn't have asked you. Right? But just understand, it, it, it's very much real that, that you, you, can, you can make that. Um, you, can, you can do that. And so, here, here's, what, here's what the covenant says. The promise of that. I haven't changed my mind let that sink in. This is God. You know what I mean? This is the two people making the covenant. God's making the covenant with you. But God says, man, I haven't changed my mind. Yeah, I, I, I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did last night. <laughs> I know what you've done all your life. But he says, I haven't changed my mind. See, if I was God and I looked at my I would have changed it a long time ago. He says, I haven't changed my mind. I'm still committed to the same thing I was when I stood in the blood and took the oath. That's so good. See, God is still committed to you regardless of where you're at. Regardless of whether you had a bad, you were in the flesh getting Starbucks before you came to church. Right? He says, hey, Scott, I still haven't changed my mind even though you're being a knucklehead. Right? You're walking in the flesh right now, Pastor Scott. Yep. But praise God, he hasn't changed his mind. He's still committed to me. He's still committed to things that he, when he stood, or when he was hanging in the the blood. Man, and God took this oath. God took this oath. I'm just, oh, thank you, Lord. And so we we need to recognize, too, that these symbols and all of these things just identify who, who we are in Christ and who he is, how he's able and willing to come in and, and do what he's promised to do and, and letting it activate our faith and knowing that, you know what, this is what God has purchased and provided for us. And then us just walking in that with, with confidence, not with wonderment. I wonder if he's going to do it. I wonder if he's going to come through. No, 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 no. With confidence. God's faithful to his word. God made a covenant with me. Who, who am I? Right? I mean, we all came from dust. We're all dirty people, marred people. But man, when we gave our life to Christ, man, we are a new creation. That all, all that old stuff has passed away. Everything has become new in our life. But see, we need to walk in that. We just need to have confidence in that. And so I'm going to go back just real quick to this covenant meal. We're going to wrap this up. Okay, because it leads us into communion today. And that, that's where I want to just kind of touch base just a little bit over it. But um, the first part of, of communion was established in Exodus 23, when the children of Israel were in the final steps of God delivering them. Right? They've been in 400 years. They've been in slavery. And then Moses was instructed by God to establish the Passover meal. Okay, what we call the, the communion. And so God did this so that Israel would never forget that God's covenant to Israel about the deliverance that he was going to do. About the deliverance that he was going to take them out of Egypt to be free people. Man, just think of that symbolism about how God took us from a life of sin a life of being marred and messed up. And he took us from that to free people. If we receive that forgiveness, if we receive that healing, we receive those things. So, so he did that for that. So the night before they were to leave, God tells Moses and people to slaughter a lamb, to take the blood, mark it on the posts of every door. And then they were to roast the lamb that they, they had killed, part, partly just to strengthen them because they needed to get ready for the trip they were about to go on, right? And so here's the deal. God was going to pass. Have you ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt? It's an old one. You probably get it on DV, uh, DVD, right? No one does DVD. Not DVD, because uh, 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 VHS, yeah, right? I mean, they might have DVD. I, I have no idea. But, but it's, there, if you ever get a chance, there's a great time, there's a great... 
picture of that. But God's going to pass over the land. He tells him, hey, I'm passing over the land. And everywhere I look, I'm going to look at the doorpost. And if there's blood on the doorpost, then I'm passing right by you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to make sure that you have the provision you need. Every single day. But if there's no blood on the doorpost, then I'm coming. And I am going to take the very firstborn. Now, that's part of the whole Egypt, you know, and God doing all these plagues and all of these things. But see, God, God kind of established the covenant with them. Right? Remember, cutting, blood, all of this stuff. So he tells them, if you do this, you're good. So what happens? He comes, and just as he promised, checked the doors, and he passed right over those who had done what he had asked them to do. All because God established this covenant with them. Then, in the New Testament, in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus references the Passover meal, which is now, listen, which he now upgraded in the New Covenant. He upgraded the Passover meal in the New Covenant. From the old covenant. From that old contract. And he said, from now on, every time you do this, you're going to do this differently. Right? We don't have to go to our house, kill an animal, put it on our doorpost, and and wait. Right? But now, because of the blood of Jesus, we get to come and take communion. And say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. But he says, hey, we're going to do this differently because I'm the lamb that was slain for you. My blood is going to be put over your life. And and, and, you understand? His blood is going to be put over your life so that judgment passes over you. Right? Which now makes you eligible to receive the blessings of God. To receive all that God had promised. And so as, you, as we receive the, that, as we walk into communion, then you know what? We need to understand that, you know what? God has provided all of this for us. And when we take communion, we're just walking in that, that covenant with him. Right? Because it's part of the foundation. It's part of the ceremonial thing. And so each time we're taking communion, we're establishing, reestablishing, or declaring, I'm in covenant with you. You're in covenant with me. Oh, man, this is so good. Right? And then what's really cool is 50 years later after Jesus established that, Paul comes along and says this in 1 Corinthians. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you. Now, when did Paul receive that? Paul wasn't in the upper room or in, in the room where, you know, the disciples were. But see, it was in remembrance almost like the memorial. It was passed on. It was passed along to him. He said, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had uh, had it, when he, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, that word remembrance is a compound word. The first part means to repeat something. The second part means to be reminded of something. Okay? So it means to recall um, or replay over and over in one's mind what has been learned or experienced. When we remember, when we go to take communion, we're remembering what the Lord has done, what we've experienced, how he pulled us out of darkness into light, how he has forgiven our sin that would, should cast us off somewhere else. Yet, he's forgiven our sin. So it's, it's calling to remembrance what we've learned and experienced. 
almost like you just know it's something that's true. I, I just know it's true, right? So you, you, you can call to remembrance memories of certain things that happened, and you just say, no, I know it was true because I was there. I just know it was true. Well, same principle. The fact that, you know what? I know that this is what Jesus did for me. I'm so grateful and so thankful for it. But we just need to remind ourselves over and again who Jesus is. Not just that he died, right? But that he purchased and provided and what he promised to us through his death. And then let me, let me give you this real quick. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. And Rush, uh, Amy, come up for the keyboard. It says this, For as often as you drink, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, it says you proclaim, okay? That word proclaim means to assert, uh, or uh, assertively declare its truth, okay? So you're proclaiming when you take communion, this is true, what Jesus did for me. The Lord's death until he comes. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks. Now, this is important. Okay, and this is why we're probably going a little too long, right? You might think, well, man, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to my chicken in the oven or whatever. Okay, but this, but this is what it says. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. This is what the Phillips translation says. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the wine without due thought is making himself like one of those who allowed the Lord to be put to death without discerning who he was. Just taking it because you're going to take it. See, back then in, in the Corinthian church, there were people who were just coming to take the wine and take the bread and not really giving reverence to the reason of why they were doing it. So Paul was like, hey, you don't understand. You can't do that. This is like real. This is truth. You have to acknowledge that. Then it says this in verse 28, let a person examine himself. How often do we examine ourselves before we take communion? You know what I mean? We just take it. Hey, it's the Sunday. It's out there. Awesome. But do we really examine ourselves? Do we really say, man, you know, Lord, wow. Okay, this is where I'm at. Or man, am I examining myself to the point that I'm taking this because of what you've done for me, because of this covenant relationship that I have with you. He says, let a person examine himself um, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks, listen to this judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So because people were discern, not, not discerning the Lord's body, they were just kind of taking it because they, hey, it's a Sunday, I'm taking it. People became weak, they became ill. Now, if you're battling an illness, I'm not saying that's the reason why. But, but, but to understand the heart of this, and some even died. The message version says that if you give no thought, right, or, 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 or worse, you don't even care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink you're running the risk of serious consequences remember that word consequences blessings and consequences that's why so many of you even now are listless and sick and others have gone on to an early grave and so today we have the opportunity to take take communion together and, and um, what I would like us to do before, we, before I have you break into this. First off, I, wa- I want you to, to begin to think about what the Lord has done. How he died on the cross. Right, His blood was spilled out because he had to make a covenant with you. That, that now you are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, you have the ability that you have all the spiritual blessings that you need. But I, I, want, I want you to first take a moment of that. And, and maybe even part of that is examine yourself. Where are you at? Where are you at in this? And I, I you know, I, only the Holy Spirit can talk to you. 
I'm not here to guilt you into anything or, or convince you of something. But man, if you allow the Holy Spirit as you examine yourself to just to talk to you, you'll know what to, you know what he's saying. And then you just make it right. You just talk to the Lord. Hey, yeah, I want to make it right. And then once you've done that, then at your time, not my time, at your time, I want you to take the elements. I want you to take the bread, right? That was broken, or that, that, that he broke apart and said, this is my body. It was broken for you. You know, and we can tie that back to the fact that, you know what? We can experience wholeness, complete wholeness in our body. Healing is provided in the promises. But complete and total wholeness. See, it's taking the elements of that and, and applying them with our faith to say, well, Lord, as I take this, I got some things in my body, right? You guys all know I got things in my body. So when I take communion, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I, I'm trusting. I'm believing that you're going to heal my body from head to toe. And I'll, I'll be a miracle if I've got to be a miracle. So bring it because that's part of my spiritual blessings. I'm trying to bring it into a reality to say, here it is. But if you, you've got anything, and, and whatever, whatever it might be, know that it's available. And then you know what? The blood of Jesus. Oh, so powerful. And maybe, maybe there are some things, man, you haven't cleared up with the Lord. That you, you've got to be able to say, Lord, man, thank you that there is power in your blood. Thank you that your, your, your blood washes away all of my sin. I'm talking every little thing. Things that maybe, you know what, you didn't even know was sin. He can take it away. But it's, but it's just actively applying that as you take your communion today. And, and, and can I say this too? I'm coming to a, a, a deeper understanding of this. You can take communion anytime, anywhere. But let me, let me say this too. Take it when you're sick. At home. You can take communion. Get a piece of bread. It's just applying your faith. You got someone in your family that's sick? Just apply your faith. Take it. Say, God, thank you for what this covenant meal means. Thank you that I'm in covenant with you. And you've promised in your word. And I don't know how it's going to, you know, work itself out. But man, I'm, I'm going to stay strong. And I'm going to continue in faith to believe that you are actively working on my behalf. Because you love me dearly. So I'm going to give you just a few moments to go ahead and, and take communion. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.